The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Ruxton Ventures, LLC, which is entirely responsible for its content. I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a fan. I used to go out to Capitals games when I was a kid with my dad, and now I'm a fan with a mic. I am one with them, and and for the past 22 years, I've been up there shouting, unleashing fury... Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Our guest today is somebody you'll probably recognize right away if you have ears, because you've heard his voice all over the place. If you go to a Caps game, he's the announcer. You go to a Washington Castles game, he's the announcer. You go to the City Open here in Washington, D.C., the tennis tournament, he's the announcer. You play major computer games, he'll be a voice of a character in that. It's Wes Johnson. He is everywhere. Fabulous conversation with somebody who truly does take voiceovers to another level. Here's our talk. Wes, welcome to the show. Great to be here. What a lovely day. So it's a, it's a lovely day. And it, we're right during the NHL season, uh, so I'm giving a little bit of timing location for our conversation. Mm-hmm. Please tell our listeners what it's like to be in that booth and actually announce a game. I shouldn't say announce a game, to be the voice of the team. It must be exciting every single time. Oh, it is. I mean, I, I've gotten a chance to call m- most every home goal that Alex Ovechkin has ever scored, and there's a lot of them. Yes. He has scored a lot of goals over the years. So uh, that is just a thrill. And to be there, it's like you hear these announcers when you're a kid at these arenas, and you're like, how cool would it be to do that? Well, you know what? It is cool. It's fun. It brings out the little kid in you. Now, you got to dress in a suit every time you go out there. So that takes a little bit of the fun away from the kid. But uh, I mean, for the first 19 years that I was doing this, I was in the penalty box. Ah. With with skaters hitting the glass in front of me like a cat smacking into the screen door and being like, I meant to do that. And <laughs> hearing international cursing when guys get thrown into the bins on the left and the right of me, the sin bins. Right. Uh, it was lovely. Now I'm upstairs ah. uh, in the, uh, the upper 400s in the press level, which it's not the same. Yep. I'm not there in the midst of the action. However, the bathroom is much closer. So there are trade-offs. Yeah. Yeah. Why do they move you up? Well, they it, it, it started with pucks. The pucks, they were putting these little microchips in Yeah. that would track the pucks on the ice so that it would be able to tell. If, if, if it went over a line electronically, they'd be able to tell you that sort of thing. I did not know they had that. They, were, they haven't yet. Uh-huh. This is three, four years ago, and then the pandemic happened, but they were going to moved out my area where I sat in the penalty box, I was replaced by a bucket of pucks, basically. Got it. Basically. that's you, That tells you a bit about your worth uh, to something that's like, we've replaced you with a bucket of pucks. Well, but you could argue that pucks, and respectfully I say this, the game cannot continue without pucks. It can continue without the voice. That's true. It can, so, but the, please don't tell anybody that. I will not tell okay. anybody that. So there's so many highlights of, of, um, of your time with the Capitals it's a stupid question, but I got to ask, are there a few that stand out? Oh, I mean, sometimes it's just, it's plays. Like, still in my head, I can see Alex Ovechkin 
making a pass to himself off the boards around uh, Roman Hammerlich and then taking it right up and scoring on his side. I, I never thought I'd see anything as great as the away goal that he scored uh, on his back yep. against, uh, I guess it was a Phoenix. It could have been Phoenix at the time or Arizona. They've changed a few. Yes. I don't know what they were then, but I know Gretzky was the coach, and he's on the bench watching going, wow. <laughs> uh, a front row seat to a guy that is very, very close now to breaking his all-time right. goals record. Right. But that was, I have a, that's one of the things that I've purchased from charities over the years. I, I do a lot of work with charities, and occasionally I'll purchase something that I love, and one of them was that shot of him on his back wow. hitting that goal. And it's just beautiful. But that seeing plays and watching Alex do that, um, being a part of a Stanley Cup playoff. Incredible. To be able to announce a team and announce them onto the ice. And then the parade. Yeah. And standing up on that stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people all dressed in red. I'm going to show you this. This is my credit card. They allow you to have a photograph on it. So it's a photo ID. So I chose the picture of me standing in front of hundreds of thousands of people uh, out at the uh, on the Washington Mall. Wow! Yeah, the beauty so, of radio is, trust me, listeners, it's fantastic. That that credit card. <laughs> yes, and you can't see the numbers. That's the other beautiful thing about radio. <laughs> no one can steal it. Yeah. So um, monumental sports. I I told you I used to work with Ted Leonsis back at AOL back in the the, the early days yeah. of the '90s when it was crazy. Um, I, I joke with Ted. I still we talk quite regularly, and I go get to hang out in his in his suite, which is a nice place to watch a game, almost as good as your old booth there on on the ice. Yeah. But I used to say that he was uh, the smartest thing he ever did was have other owners as competition here in Washington D.C., including some who shall not be named in this show. <laughs> but I think Monumental has been, in my opinion, maybe you have a different one, has been a really good corporate citizen and a good sort of a citizen of of the city. Uh, traditionally, the Capitals have been the most fan-friendly yeah. organization, and the Wizards as well. I mean, I started off as the PA announcer for the Bullets uh, years and years ago. I'm from Baltimore. I started that. Yeah. I, was, I was the last announcer of the Bullets, first announcer of the Wizards, and I was the first person. We're coming up on the 25th anniversary now of, of the arena downtown D.C. I was the first PA announcer ever to crack a mic in that building. So wow. It was a beautiful thing. And then I left uh, around 2000 and became the announcer for the Capitals. And I worked for Abe Poland to begin with. And Abe was just a wonderful guy. And then to be working with Ted uh, with the Capitals over the years and the whole organization, Dick Patrick, uh, all the number of people who, uh, that have been involved in this organization and making it what it is, they embraced the fan base and the fan base embraced them back to the point where it became one. Now, this is something that we're, again, not going to talk out of school about other owners. However, sometimes owners are like, I, me, mine. This is mine, and you can't have, and I don't care if you like it or love it. But Ted has been great with saying, these are our capitals. Right. These are your capitals. This is your team. And people have embraced it as such, which is why when you see something like 2018, after years and years and years since 1974, people loving this team and going to battle with them. And did you believe it? Nobody believed it at first. Yeah. Even after we won, 
we're all numb. Yeah. We're all in this arena. We It was an away game, but we filled the arena to capacity. Capacity. Watching it on the screen, I called goals in our home arena for Did the you? final oh, that's game. fabulous. And at the very end, everybody stormed the court, and we all sang in unison, we are the champions, in the middle of Capital One Arena. And it was just, I mean, guys, the love yeah. was there. And people love this team. Feeling the love. Wow. Yeah, they do. Bring a tear to my eye. That's fabulous. It was wonderful. Wes Johnson is our guest today here on What's Working Washington. Wes, as you just heard, is the voice of the Washington Capitals, amongst other teams and arenas here in Washington, D.C. We talked about the Washington, the Castles, the tennis team. You were engaged with them as the voice of that when they played outdoors. Their right. seasons have been canceled during COVID, correct? Uh, the, well, during COVID, yes. And I think right now it's kind of on hold as far as uh, the castle's concerned. But yeah. I know that Mark Ein has taken over and really revolutionized the uh, City Open. City Open yeah. made it into just this huge event. And we've been out there the past couple of years announcing that. Right. And it's uh, – it's, it's a crazy couple of weeks uh, every summer, and it's just been delightful. Well, he's attracted – I mean, he had Nadal, I guess, in the last one, so he's right. attracting the biggest global names in tennis. Absolutely. Which is wonderful because that – obviously, it's not Wimbledon, but it's a place where big names can come and the local people can see them. It seems like, as, as you know – you can get five, ten feet away from these incredible stars. It's a very open arena. When uh, Venus was out playing and, and uh, Serena was actually there and they were walking around hanging with the kids on the courts. Wow. Uh, people got to watch them practice together. So, And that's, if you've seen the practice courts over there at uh, the uh, City Open uh, courts, they're, it's very intimate. Yeah. It's very intimate. You can walk right up and talk to the players, have them autograph things for you. Uh, they've been very friendly and... It's a it's a party like atmosphere, yeah. Uh, and I've really enjoyed it. And it, that's the difference, I think, with the castles. It was much more. It was like a team rah rah spirited thing, and it was yep. very competitive. And you get to see people out there who are just at the top of their game. You know, outdoors we did it on the wharf. Yep, I we used to did go. it at yeah. GW. Yep. We've done it at uh, on the rooftop. Uh, we did it out in the building on the rooftop. I did not know that. That was wonderful. I loved it. My only disappointment was more balls didn't go bouncing off the side of the roof. I was expecting that. It didn't happen. I kept wanting to see a ball go over, hearing beeping horns, that kind exactly. of thing. Never happened. Yeah. Maybe yeah. next time. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the love that Ted uh, Leonsis and Monumental Sports and the ownership have exhibited, I got to believe that the energy – you can feel as the voice of the Capitals in that building when things are going well. I I don't go to that many games, but it's just like an engine of positive vibes. It must it really, is. really infuse your announcing. At the, at the top loudest it's ever been, it's like 17 jet engines in that place. It's, wow. it's amazing. People get behind it. I, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a fan. I used to go out to Capitals games when I was a kid with my dad, and now I'm a fan with a mic. I am one with them. And and for the past 22 years, I've been up there shouting, unleashing fury, being able to just celebrate. I mean, you may call it hype. I hype the team, sure. But it comes from a very genuine place. It comes from a place of love and fandom from me. And I think the fans can feel that. 
Uh, there we have some of our super fans out there, like Loud Goat, who shouts out, "Let's go!" Oh Cavs. yeah, that. What, what's that person's name? Uh, Loud Goat. Williams, well, we call him Loud Goat. His name is William Stillwell. And then you've got uh, Sam Walk, the Horn guy. Yeah. Uh, you've got people who uh, we have uh, Captain Obvious, who's out there. The, the fans start <laughs> taking on their own personas yeah. in the arena. It, it becomes a family. Yeah. It's an event, but it's really a family. Yeah. Yeah. In your career, you've done a lot in entertainment, especially in comedy. Your arc as a comedian, uh, including interacting with one of our own here in Washington D.C., which is Patton Oswalt. Yeah, Patton's tell us a about that guy. competition you were in. Well, that was that was years ago. We, we used to do. Uh, there are so many people who come from D.C. You know, you've got uh, Martin Lawrence, you got Chappelle, Tony yeah. Woods, uh, Patton Oswalt. All these guys who made their bones here starting in D.C. It's a funny city, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and, but then they all went off somewhere else. But me, for more fool me, I stayed. Yeah. You know, we would we were in a National Lampoon contest, uh, Pat and I, uh, in the first round. He won. I came in second, so we both advanced. And then Tony Woods took the last one. But I got, I got a little robbed because the thing I did was a little thing called the Southeastern Airlines No Instructor Student Flying Course, okay. which is a guy flying a jumbo jet airliner with a do, you know do it yourself tape. Okay, and uh, the the sound like the guy yeah. at the finals yeah. started it, but had the sound down. There was nothing. I had to improvise for about twenty to thirty seconds till my girlfriend at the time, who was upstairs ready to kill him, was able to get the tape back on, and we went back on track. So but then you I, went over time. And you I had- went over time, and I got five, fined five points. Yeah. I lost by three. Damn it. So I could have been on Showtime doing that bit, but in, in the meantime, Tony Woods won. Tony Woods went on and did Showtime. Patton went off and became Patton. Uh, but one of the judges that night was Weasel from WHFS. Sure. And Weasel got on the air the next morning, uh, next day, and he was like, oh, "I was a judge there last night, and Wes Johnson got ripped off. Wes Johnson was robbed." Good, so I went out one. to thank Weasel at HFS, and the next thing you know, I'm talking to, uh, you know, all the guys out there. They bring me up on and start doing voices and characters in the morning show because I've been doing stand up and impressions and comedy. So suddenly I'm doing it now on the morning show. And I stayed with HFS for a number of years. And from there, I started working with Wolfman Jack. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's right, baby. The Wolfman Jack. There you Let go. Let me tell you something. I get these scripts every week, man. I take them to Wolfman. Be like, ah, <laughs> hey, that's great, baby. That's great. So uh, he was still wonderful. still Johnson, everybody, just so you know. Yeah. So he was, Wolfman was was wonderful and got to be really good friends with him. And I... It's a strange thing when Wolf passed, which was like 10 hours after we had done our very last show at Hard, at Hard Rock Sad. Cafe. No, actually, yeah. it was Planet Hollywood. Yeah. And he gave me a big hug, signed the last ever copy of his autobiography that night, and he said, hey, man, don't you go nowhere. Great things are happening. I got a bad day feeling something's going to mess this up. I said, I'm not going anywhere, Wolf. Yeah. I'm right here. Gave me a big hug, put on his black hat, big black overcoat. Off he walked into the night. And that was the last I ever saw of him. Cheesy peasy, emotional. Yeah. It's Wes Johnson, our guest today on What's Working in Washington. We're talking Washington, D.C. sports, the entertainment industry, voiceovers, and more to come after this. Every week on What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a D.C. insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. 
So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. Many of our guests have come to us from others who say, hey, if your show's about people who are really getting things done in the region, you should really be talking to dot, dot, dot. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. We are so excited and happy to have in the studio with us today, Wes Johnson. Wes is a D.C. legend, and we've been talking about the sporting arena here in D.C. and your, your obviously your leadership in it. Uh, but also, let's talk about the entertainment business. Yeah. So uh, I used to play a lot of computer games when I, when I was wasting my time, frankly. But they're an amazing industry. And as we touched on, a, a incredibly profitable industry with huge dollar figures on it. I've noticed some interesting voiceover uh, talent coming into the game. Some of them are names you recognize from the entertainment industry, but you've also done a lot of voiceover for games, correct? I've done about 70 different characters in different wow. video games. Uh, and it, yeah, there are people that are doing the voiceovers are just remarkable. I mean, you, you go no further than like Mark Hamill, who people know from Star Wars. Right. But the guy is just prolific with voices. He's terrific. Uh we just lost uh, Kevin Conroy, who played Batman yep. recently. Uh, so many people are doing wonderful things in the gaming industry. Me, I love it because, I mean, here I am. I'm this skinny little dude who can play these, like, seven-foot-tall behemoth guards yeah. with uh, rippling six-pack muscles. Make no mistake, the only time I have ever had abs and six-packs is in a video game. Got it. But uh, I, I I play roles like Chiagoreth. Daedric Prince of Madness. Oh, I may just have to flee alive, which goes between a Scottish and an Irish accent. Somewhere back in between. And forth. Yeah. Well, he does it on purpose. Okay. Uh, there's Lucian Lachance of the Dark Brotherhood, dear child of Sithis. Or uh, Hermes Mora, Dragonborn. And I play Mo Cronin from Dimey City and Fallout. And uh, there's the Silver Shroud, which is great because that's like an old-time radio guy. Right. I've done voices in Star Trek. Uh, or I've played Klingons. You have no honor. And I'm actually playing a Klingon in a Star Trek film that we're going to be filming in January. Wow. Called Farragut Forward, which is fantastic. Um, but I love doing the video game voices. And we start doing things like... Uh, conventions where you go around. I've yep. been doing the awesome cons in town, uh, traveling out to other cities. There's a big one called MAGFest that I may or may not be at in January Got it. over at the Gaylord. And you get to meet the people who have been playing these games forever. Yeah. And they know your voice so intricately. Yeah. What's strange to me is I've been doing it so long now that I see some guy standing in front of me and he's saying, wow, man, I used to listen to you when I was a kid. And I'm like, You've got a gray beard. Get out of here. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you remind me of my age? So are these games all scripted? Are you ever able to ad-lib, or how does that play Well, out? they're scripted, but the fact of the matter is you bring those scripts to life with yeah. your interpretation of it. And sometimes a little thing does slip out here or there, rarely, because the writers are so good and the stories are so intricate. Uh, right, like Emil Pagliarillo is one of the writers over at Bethesda, and, and you've got a director like Mark Lampert uh, who comes in, and the people who have directed me, they're so good, but they allow me to play. And there is so much improvisation in the way you say things anyway. Right. Voice acting isn't just speaking. 
It's breathing. It's existing. It's being in that moment. It's taking emotions and making them real. Because if they're not real for me, they're not going to be real for the player. And what I love is when I've had a story or an arc that moved somebody. And they've talked to me years after it happened. If you can affect somebody that way because it affected you when you did it, that's really connecting. And that's what the technology allows us to do. I'm in a room in a closet all by myself, but truthfully, I'm in another world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and I, I'd forgotten until you brought it up that we have actually one of the leading game providers right here, Bethesda. Bethesda uh, Game Studios. Yeah, uh, huge. Who are wonderful, yeah. Huge. But I just, every now and then, I take a look at the screenshots of stuff I used to play in the 90s and the early 2000s. And now, the, the detail of skin and the way hair is moved in the, in the, in the wind and, and body motion, mm-hmm. it's, it's borderline deep fake, as they say. For I mean, we're, we're right. getting close to where it's almost indistinguishable. Let me tell you something. It is so immersive that when you play these games for a period of time and turn it off and try to go to sleep, you dream in the world. Wow. It really is. It really wraps you up and takes you in. And now between that and you got VR and Oculus and things right. of this sort, pretty soon we're going to be slipping things on and literally going into those worlds. Yep. I, I fear for cats and breakable items that are all around your feet when exactly this right. happens. Yeah. yeah. Ready Player One. Have you yeah. seen Ready Player One? A little oh, bit. Yeah. yeah, a little yeah. bit of that. All right, so on your website, uh, which was incredibly entertaining, um, you have some links to, I guess, sort of heroes of yours, mm. uh, two folks that I love, Phil Hartman and Sid Caesar. Walk oh, me through yeah. why you you highlight those two people. Uh, Sid Caesar was uh, a, just a ball of crazy creative energy. Uh, he, uh, So many people, I mean, Phil Hartman loved uh, Sid Caesar. Your show of shows, yeah. those guys back then. Live. You've got yeah Howard Morris and uh, Carl Reiner and uh, Emma Jean Coca, and uh, they would do this stuff live way back in the day. Sid Caesar was such a ball of fire, and he kind of burned himself out a bit yeah. towards the end. But I just, I loved his sense of humor and his creativity and his sense of fun and danger. Yeah. Let me tell you, there's not enough danger in comedy because you didn't know what Sid would do. I love Billy Connolly. He seems a little scary sometimes. Yes. But you know, when you don't know what a comedian is going to do or where they're going to go, there's a little bit of a thrill in that. Yeah. And uh, Phil Hartman was just the consummate professional. So many voices, they called him the glue on Saturday Night Live. Yep. And he was the glue in so many things. He even did video games. He did a character called Blasto. Uh, I didn't which, know that. A game that I loved playing, which I don't know whether you can actually – the technology remains that you can still yeah. play it, but hearing his voice as this character was just wonderful to me. Blasto is probably Windows ME or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Back back several several versions. And the thing is, he did everything. He yeah. did. Phil did video games. He did voiceovers. He did movies, live action. That's the kind of thing I love to do. I believe acting isn't just the voice. Yeah. And uh, announcing and portraying. I, I I've done live action movies. I've done stage, stand-up comedy, improv. I, I like to think that we are, no matter what the medium, storytellers. We are storytellers. I write. I, I actually wrote and drew a comic strip in the Washington Times for two years. Sweet. A daily strip that they only paid me enough that they said, we're only going to get $35 a week from the syndicate, so we'll pay you that. And I was like, fine. Fine. But by the end of it, I was already working at HFS. I had a family and a kid, and I was still doing 26 hours a week writing and drawing 
and doing this comic strip. And as much as you loved it, you just can't sustain that. Understood. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of, of sustainability for one's income, your your skill set, your engagement, so broad. Do you have an agent? I mean, how does how does it work do that you get booked? I have an agent in Los Angeles for okay. voice, uh, sometimes for acting. Her name is uh, Vanessa Gilbert. Uh, with a uh, she is with the uh, RSA talent. And the funny thing is, I used to do the voiceover for America's Most Wanted. I took over after another one of my heroes passed away, Don LaFontaine, who I was supposed to meet, and I was going to work on a sister show, and. When Don suddenly passed before the premiere, they asked if I would take over. Vanessa, who was Don's agent, said, does Wes have an agent? And I had one that hadn't spoken to me in about a year. That would be bad. In L.A. Yeah. And I said, wait, you're telling me Don LaFontaine's agent is interested in bringing me on? Yes. You had me at hello. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and the thing is, we've had a relationship now for about 15 years. I'm flying out this weekend to L.A. to film another movie called Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had Congrats. one called Volkov Origin that just started streaming this week, uh, where I play an Irish Catholic priest with secrets. And who, who doesn't? Uh, working on a Star Trek film coming up this summer, we did a horror movie with uh, uh, Jamie Nash film and with Ken Arnold, and I think it was produced by Eduardo Sanchez. So that'll be fun. I'm just loving what I do. Yeah. I love what I do, and I love everything from the CAPS to the National Hot Rod Association, where I announce, uh, to the, the, the City Open. I feel very blessed to have done all of this. A, fantastic to hear that. In our few minutes together, uh, quick, quick comment. National Hot Rod, what what do you do there? Do you announce the, the race NHRA, and the winner? I'm, I'm the voice, uh, so if you're hearing any of the ads, I get... Remember you ever hear those ads like, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? Exactly. Well, I'm kind of that guy Capital now. Capital Drag it's Raceway, like, sorry. You know, come, down to the, come down to the pit and smell the nitro because every ticket's a pit pass. <laughs> and then I do stuff like on the, the actual race days when you hear somebody say like, brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Brought to you by this, you know. And then I can say, in the shadow of the San Gabriel Mountains, cars begin to rev as the sun rises on a new race day. Got it. Wow, I'm ready. Everything, you know, anything and everything that they need, I am the voice for that for them. And, uh, you know, I just love love what I do. Your lineup is is absolutely fabulous. And Wes Johnson, our guest today and What's Working in Washington, we ask every guest at the end, if you were, if you ruled the world, yes. What one thing would you start happening that isn't, or one thing you would stop happening that is? If I ruled the world, I would say that you have to have a muffler on your car, a muffler on your car, or not one of those things that turns your muffler into a loudspeaker going down the street. Agreed. I don't know. Is it just me, or are those guys who are racing 900 miles an hour down the street with this one? They're always alone. You're not going to get a date. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not appealing. <laughs> Fair enough. Excellent. So you would change. By the way, I completely agree. And I used to live in Manhattan, and those people were always going up First Avenue at 2 a.m. Yeah. With, the, uh, with all the lights, uh, with the, with the muffler. So muffler, uh, muffler, mandated muffler maintenance, mm-hmm. quiet mufflers. I completely agree, Wes Johnson. That's a fabulous suggestion. Our guest has been Wes Johnson, the voice of the Washington Capitals, amongst many other things, right here on Washington. What's working in Washington? Wes, thanks for being with us. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Really, really a thrill. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. 
online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by The Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.